passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the long and winding railroad. This is episode 39. And uh, if you're watching the, the YouTube version of this and you're thinking, wow, WH is going solo on this. He's going to do an entire show, talk about a match all by himself. No, that's that's not what's happening today. Uh, we're just experiencing some uh, technical difficulties on on the end of my guest today. Uh, but that's OK. I think most people, most of you people listen to this as a podcast audio only so we have his audio so that's fine but um this is uh, our our last episode of the year so we're closing out 2023 with with a very special guest uh first time guest on this show but no stranger to any of the uh specialized podcasts i've done before he's been on both uh cruel summer and i i, I think also uh, uh thunderstruck yeah correct me if i'm wrong have you been on both uh, I was on both, I believe. Yeah, I think for the yeah. uh, Thunderstruck, we did uh, Koji Kanemoto and, and, and Liger. And then I forget what the heck we did on the other one, but I definitely remember being on Thunderstruck for sure. You, you, you've been on Cruel Summer. I'm pretty sure you Yeah, oh, no, 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 no doubt. Yeah, 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 I just can't remember what show it was or what, what match it was. But we'll, we'll talk. We'll find out later. But but I, I've wanted this person on this show for, for a long time. And, and here he is. It's it's from Voices of Wrestling. It's the co-founder of Voices of Wrestling. It's Rich Krejci. Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And yeah, sorry about my uh, the, the video on my end. We were trying to get it figured out. I don't really have a, a webcam that works all that well. You don't want to see my face anyway, especially at this time of the day. I'm I'm literally petting a dog. I mean, maybe actually that might actually be a selling point. We we we, we have, <laughs> I, I do I do shows with 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 uh, our our uh, you know Joshi Perez expert Karen Peterson and and, and her dog Zelda shows up quite often because <laughs> it's all good. I love dogs. So so if that's a highlight, then yeah, I should have probably found the webcam and got the dog on here and. Stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it has a little bit of issues. We were hoping to try to resolve it, but uh, sorry, you just had my no, voice, not even my okay. picture. We were trying to make it work, but I, I mean, we'll, it's think appropriate. We'll be able you're to handle from, it anyway. Well, I think you're you're from it. Voices of Wrestling, so we have your voice. <laughs> voice, yeah, it's not Faces yeah, of Wrestling. You know. it's voices, right? But, exactly. But, but but Rich is our guest. He's from uh, I I think one of the you know top. I'm gonna say top three, pot, you know wrestling websites out there in the landscape. Of professional wrestling, I'll take that. Voice of wrestling, you know, I, I, you know, obviously post wrestling, we, I, you know, I'm biased. I got to, <laughs> you got to be, you, you got to play that's your, that's the home team. No, that's the home team. That's all right. That's fine. I get it. But, but you know, you for those of you who might not be familiar with your work, Rich, and and like Voices of Wrestling, t- tell the folks out there a little bit about Voices of Wrestling. We'll we'll get to plugs at the end of the show, yeah, yeah. of this episode, but give give them a bit of a rundown of what you guys do over at VOW. Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, as as of this recording, we're doing this on November 26th, we're recording this, and it was the day after CM Punk returned to WWE for Survivor Series, and actually that's how the whole website began, as I went to Money in the Bank 2011, and I was so enthused about CM Punk's 
thing. And, and just like I, 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 I've written, I've written this a lot and I've talked about it on audio a lot, but I was at that show and there were people that I didn't know still watch wrestling, like friends that I grew up with that watched wrestling with me that were at that show. I had my cousin. I thought my cousin stopped watching wrestling and I walked in the concourse and there he is at that show. And that sort of inspired me to, to, to create this website, which was, you know, meant to be just a passion project of why people love professional wrestling. Well, what it is that they love about professional wrestling. And it's kind of grown and evolved into just being a full fledged, you know, pro wrestling website. We don't do news. We are mostly columns, reviews, previews, as well as the podcast network. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it started as that, and now it's been going on for, yeah, about obviously Money in the Bank 2011, and we're here in 2023 about to finish out the year. So it's been going on for, for a long, long time. And, yeah, it's just it's about people being passionate about pro wrestling. That, that's, that's really the ultimately what the ethos of the website is. If you're passionate about wrestling in one way or another, it doesn't matter what you're passionate about. It doesn't matter the company you're passionate about, the wrestling style you're passionate about, the wrestlers you're passionate about. That's kind of the home there, and that, that's what we do at the Podcast Network where we have a ton of different shows about pretty much every wrestling company around the world. We have shows that are focused on Dragon Gate, shows that are focused on New Japan Pro Wrestling, shows that are focused on you know, the American wrestling, variety shows, one about a European wrestling, one about just everything you can do, a pro wrestling trivia game, like all that sort of stuff is all available there uh, at the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. So that's what we kind of do there. And then on the, on the website, yeah, it's columns, previews, and reviews uh, uh, about wrestling. No news, mostly just getting down to that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun. And what started is just like a little blog for me to, you know, talk to some people about why they're passionate about wrestling has turned into this thing that now decade plus uh, we've been doing and, and, and stronger than ever. So I'm getting a little bit of uh, popping, I think, on your end here. Uh, I don't know if it's your mic setting or, or, or something like that, but uh, oh, this it. is a little uh, peek behind the scenes, folks. But <laughs> I will try to fix that. Sorry. But it's OK. Just want to let you know. But uh, one thing I, I will say as being someone who's who's listened to voice of wrestling for for quite a while now is that i i do appreciate like the variety that is on the website and and the pot net, podcast network um also if you're a big fan of like uh, uh different sodas out there like rich does a thing on the page on their patreon where he he'll he'll test drive a, a new flavor of a soda uh <laughs> and, and so if you into that kind of stuff and i know people who watch who like listen to me know like Oh, you're all about the food, WH, and, and so like Rich handles like the the beverage side of things, sort of. Yeah, yeah, anymore, right. Uh, full disclosure: I think it halfway through my show switched my mic to my Apple uh, headphones, and now okay. I'm on my normal headphones, which should sound go. significantly better. I don't know if it does. That sounds way better. So yeah, okay. So we can we can restart if you want. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, okay. well, right. This is this. What a disaster! The, the right? No one's going to listen to anything we do. <laughs> no the, 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 go to the website or no, listen no, to any no, of my no, podcast no. after the uh, very unprofessional operation that we've done so far. But uh, <laughs> I give my ringing endorsements. So hopefully, I don't know if that's going to help or not. But yeah, that might hurt actually, but, but uh, no, I do. Uh, yeah, and, uh, we have our Patreon, uh, flagshippatreon.com, and uh, I do uh, Mountain Dew reviews uh, on there. I stay out of all other, like, I'm not a big cola guy, I'm not a big, but uh, there's so many different random ass Mountain Dews that come out every single year now that it just started as a joke one time that I was like, haha, there's like, I believe it started around Christmas time when they had like a gingerbread, you know, Mountain Dew, and I was like, I'm gonna drink this gingerbread Mountain Dew and talk about it. Or they maybe it was the flaming hot Mountain, it was one of those that started, it. and then people were like, Anytime a new Mountain Dew flavor come out, they're like, are you going to review it? And I'm like, oh, I guess I have to. <laughs> so I there now have a house full of, you know, Mountain Dew that I don't really drink that because I don't really drink soda that much. I drink it yeah. like a couple times a month at this point as I've gotten old and now I'm just a tea and coffee guy uh, pretty much. But uh, yeah, no, I do uh, Mountain Dew reviews 
uh, behind the uh, the paywall there, flagshippatreon.com. In addition to a bunch of other stuff that we do, uh, including a brand new series I, I I just launched, which might actually be, uh, you know, not to get the plugs. You said we were going to do the plugs later. Uh, but, no, uh, you th- while throw it out away, I might as well get it in. I just started a brand new series this week uh, called Brett versus Owen, which is actually a look back at uh, – the Bret Hart versus Own Hart feud that kicked off at Survivor Series 1993, which is now 30 years old, which makes oh me my feel God. like I am falling apart and dying. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, when, when I when I got word that that was happening and it was 30 years to the date, I was like, God damn. First off, it's 30 years. That's that's horrifying. But also like, yeah, let's dig into it a little bit. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the series. It's kind of an audio documentary style series. And, and I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners would love to, to dive into that. Oh, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be really good. We're going to go month by month as well. Excruciating detail. So this first episode was just about November and the next month will be just about December, and we'll do that all the way up until the summer for Survivor Series uh, or the SummerSlam 1994, and uh, and that's what I'll kind of call the end of the feud. And there's a few things you know that we'll talk about after that, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that series, and and I think it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of many things we do there. That oh, sounds great. I mean, I mean, you would think how many how much could you talk about? I, but I, as I recall, thinking about it right now, there's a lot you could talk about. They, they feuded for a long that- time. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I am discovering as I'm going through because I'm watching every second of the TV and there's things that I don't even I totally forgot about. Like there's one thing that happens in right after Survivor Series 93 where uh, Owen Hart has like a, a match against some jobber on the show or whatever. And, and you know, he comes out and he's wearing the Brett gear. He's got the glasses. He does the sharpshooter. And it's just like, oh, geez. And like halfway through the match, you know, the fans are starting are starting to chant. We want Brett. We want Brett. We want Brett and stuff. And then a couple of days later, they have a, a wrestling challenge inner uh, thing where Gorilla Monsoon calls uh, Owen Hart and says, oh, I'm here today with the brother of Brett the Hitman Hart, Owen Hart. And Owen's just like, Gorilla, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't call me the brother of Brett the Hitman Hart. I wish you'd call me, you know, Owen Hart. Or it, it just little subtle stuff like that that I didn't even know existed at the time. Because, you know, normally when you watch the documentaries or any of the, you know, the WrestleMania match or SummerSlam, they show you the turn at Survivor Series. And not necessarily the turn, but the push, the shove, you know, the the anger. Then they show them reconciling around Christmas. Then you get the Royal Rumble and then you're off. And that's it. But I think there's a lot of little stuff in between that I'm discovering in addition to, you know, reading through Brett's book and and. You obviously, I, I'm sure you've read that book and all the the weirdness that is in that book as well. With Brett uh, lays it all out there. It's the Hart family, yeah. very opinionated man. Yes, plus it is the Hart family. So there's plenty. There's the Bruce book. There's yeah. There, there it's the Hart family. That's all you have to know. So plenty of things that uh, yeah. I I at first wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it into a multi month thing. And and as I'm doing my notes and stuff, it's like oh yeah, there's so much meat on this bone. So I'm excited to get get it going. So, so Rich will will plug the, uh, the 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 Patreon address at the at the end of this episode. But that sounds amazing. I I I'm looking forward to to listening to it myself. And and of course, like if if you are if you are listening to this podcast and you are from Mountain Dew, you like maybe you should head over to Voices of Wrestling and, and, and consider giving them some sponsorship because Rich is uh, t- tampering with a. Uh, uh, get, getting diabetes for for the sake <laughs> right. of uh, doing your, your, people, your product. Right? <laughs> I'm doing it for the people. I'm uh, I'm now yeah. My A1C is, is skyrocketing <laughs> thanks to uh, doing it for the people. The, the internal pressures of people saying, "Please drink Mountain Dew and review it." I'm like, ah, fine, fine, fine. So yeah, please, please support but, my uh, my future medical pills. I'm not in right. Canada. I'm in America. So this uh, is, is that. <laughs> but we are talking. This is the long and winding road. This is all Japan in the 1990s. And Rich, what is like your background? Of your fandom of this era of professional wrestling yeah so so all japan pro wrestling i mean i i kind of got to the world of japanese wrestling pretty late you know you know I, when i first started watching wrestling obviously i'm, I'm u.s based and I, I first started watching basically like 94 ish and, and mostly wwf at that time like just watching i think i was trying to watch like whatever usa show was on 
uh, Pacific Blue or whatever that I, was that the yeah that was like the bike cop show. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. For some yeah. reason, I liked it as a kid. I don't know. Uh, maybe Mario Lopez shirtless. It's I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I loved it as a kid. And I remember wrestling was on before or after it. I forget where where it was, and I was just like, eh. and then I started watching that and really enjoyed it. And then there was the 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 video games for Sega Genesis, and I really liked those, like WWF Raw and, and Royal Rumble and those ones, and that kind of hooked me. And then WrestleMania the arcade game, and then I kind of fell out of favor with it a little bit. Got back in in 1998 when you know pretty much everybody did. Ninety seven, ninety eight, and and that's when I became a full fledged, you know, gigantic wrestling fan at that time. That that's when, you know, by ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, when my friends are starting to fall off, and I didn't fall off, and I was like the only one left that was still watching. I was like, okay, this is going to be a thing that I'm just never going to let go. And, and with that, then I started trying to explore different types of wrestling and finding different types of wrestling. And I think my first foray into Japanese wrestling was Hayabusa and, and FMW and just like that stuff where it's like, if you were around at that time, I think you would, re- you would know that if it, like scuzzy torrents or Kazaa or whatever we had to download to watch these things. And there'd be like crazy Japanese deathmatch, And I'm like, Oh, sounds good to me. What is this? And it was all, it was almost always like Hayabusa stuff. And, and there was something about Hayabusa that attracted me. And that's actually how I got entered into all Japan for wrestling is that I found out this guy was in all Japan. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I love Hayabusa. This match got recommended to me. I watched it. And what I got was a whole different world of wrestling that I had never, never even knew existed at, at, at any level whatsoever. And, you know, yes, there was the the issue of Japanese commentary. And that's something that a lot of people had to get through, but the work was so good. And the work was exactly what I wanted. I, at that time, become completely just a fan uh, of in-ring work and high level work and, 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 and that sort of stuff. So watching that match, you know, watching Hayabusa in all Japan, and then that opening up an entirely different world of all Japan to me, uh, just totally transformed me as a wrestling fan. And, and, and it became, you know, this obsession to go through and, and there was different sites like ditches website or whatnot that you were able to go, you know, match by match. And I basically picked up, somewhere in the like I, i've watched a little bit of the 70s 80s all japan that stuff really doesn't do much for me i know some people really like that era and 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 there's stuff to enjoy in that era but pretty much what i decided to do is 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 go in then a couple years later and just start at like the mid 80s and just watch every match that interests me at all and 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 got through pretty much the entire quote-unquote era the king's road era of all japan what you guys talk about on this show you know all japan in the 90s watching pretty much all that stuff from there and just yeah it, it's it's to me, it's a transformative brand of professional wrestling, particularly in the 90s, where it's just like what they are doing is is you see you see the fingerprints in, in, in this era all over wrestling today. It, it's inescapable, but it's just a different to me. It's like the best version of pro wrestling you'll ever have. Like there's there's nothing that has come anywhere close to that. You know, New Japan in in, in the mid 2010s was great. I love that. That's really, really great stuff. And man, nothing can recreate a great all Japan match in the, in, in the mid 90s, particularly involving, you know, the four pillars and that sort of stuff. That stuff is just to me the, the best of the best. It, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Who is your guy, Rich? Who is your guy? I am. I oscillate a little bit. When I first started watching Kobashi was my guy. And then I sort of started becoming a Kawada guy a little bit. I don't know why, like maybe it's just the, because he's just such a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then there's something <laughs> about that, that I just really love. And you know, Sometimes I'm a Masawa guy. He tends to never be the guy that I go to. I'm usually a Kobashi or, 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 or a Kawada guy. Those two just seem to work for me. It depends. If I want like high level, you know, this guy is like the best of the best main eventer. Kobashi's the guy I watch. But then, man, sometimes Kawada just is just the perfect amount of grumpy to just get me all in. But uh, that's like, nothing away from, you know, Masawa, one of the greatest wrestlers ever. I'm just, I just prefer Kobashi or, or, or Kawada usually. But there's really no bad choice between any of them. No, I mean, I, I, I'm a Kawada guy. I love Kobashi. I think my, the way I, I, I try to explain who, who I like is that as just as a pure, for the pure pro wrestler, 
I think Kobashi is the best. I mean, you can't build a better baby face than Kenny Kobashi. I feel no, 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 no. Uh, especially in a Japanese, you know, promotion. But, f- but for his story, especially in context with Masawa, I I think Kawada is the most interesting of the four pillars because if you look at his struggle against Masawa and against kind of like gaining the favor of in the eyes of Giant Baba, he has a, a immensely interesting story among any of the wrestlers in all Japan. And and even I'd say, like, if you compare him to like, say the three Musketeers over in new Japan at the same time, he's way more interesting. in that's in that sense, especially yeah. if you, if you're placing it in context of historical significance and things like that, but yeah, he's the one that had to prove it the most. I mean, Masawa was like, once he takes the mask off and once he's Masawa, he's Masawa and everybody knows it. And, and, you know, it, it, it all happens in that one day where they, the, the, the you know, the, the great story of, you know, them getting to the building and people are chanting Masawa, Masawa, and then we're going, all right, fuck it then. Masawa's Masawa, let's go. Let's just take the mask off. He's our guy. And it's obvious. You see the guy and you're like, yeah, that's the dude. Kobashi, that guy from day one, you could tell that's going to be a guy. You see him as a young boy back, you know, it, 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 behind the scenes uh, a little bit in those matches. And it's very clear that that dude is going to be a superstar. Kawada was never that. He had to work way harder than all those other guys to get to the level he got to. And and it came across in the grumpiness of his work. And, and, and like you said, just the story just works perfectly. And it works perfectly for this match too. And, and it, it, the, what we're talking about here is a perfect segue to this Kawada Tenru match, which is, is all about that background, that story that we're talking about. That's right. So just, just so people know, we are going to talk about Toshiaki Kawada. We're going to talk about uh, a very famous match he has with his, um, his trainer, his mentor, uh, the guy who you can tell he, 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 he idolized as, as a young wrestler coming up in, in the all Japan dojo system. And that's Jinichiro Tenru. Um, we're going to, this is, this is from October 28th, 2000. Uh, this is this is following the exodus of Mitsuharu Masawa and ninety eight percent of the roster yeah, to the wrestling Noah. Stayed around, yeah. There's the three or four yeah. guys. Yeah, there's the only people really left uh, from the All Japan system are Kawada, Masafuchi, Taiokea, and I guess you can count uh, Stan Hansen, but he's right, right, twilight yeah, of his yeah. career, right? So, uh, and Steve Williams, Steve Williams sticks around, uh, but again, those two are kind of it's it's dire. Yeah, so, those, yeah, if you're counting those, you're really just like, and uh, I guess those guys too, but it's three. <laughs> you're really yeah, counting three at yeah. best five, but it's a, it's a stretch for the, those other two for sure. So we're going to talk about this match. And one of the things that I think was really great about you picking this match, Rich, was like you could talk about so much like context and, and background of this match, how much meaning it has, not just for like the, the relation, actual relationship between the two participants between Kawada and Tenru because they have a, a long history with one another. Tenru was his trainer uh, in the dojo. He he mentored him after he came back from his excursion in North America and, and made him part of his revolution stable. And then at some point, you know, when 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 Tenru's uh, regular partner, uh, Harahara, had to get kicked out of All Japan because of gambling debts, he picked Kawada to become his regular tag partner. And we'll talk a bit about that. But also, like, in in relation to Tenru's history with All Japan, Tenru's like uh, you know like the All Japan following you know 2000 is like the year that everything changes in in pro wrestling landscape in Japan because pro wrestling Noah is created. Misawa decides he can't work with with Mrs. Baba. He, the, the 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 differences are too great, and he takes all the roster. They'd rather go with him 
And, 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 you know, because Kawada's relationship with Masawa is not great. He decides, I think he was offered, but he just said, I'm not going to be second fiddle to you anymore. I'd mm-hmm. rather be a big fish in a much smaller pond than, than being, you know, like the guy you're probably not going to push anyways. You're going to push Kobashi over me. And so he decides to stay. But this is from October 28th, 2000. It's part of the October Giant Series. This is day 11th. This is the 28th anniversary show at the Nippon Budokan. The attendance is listed as 16,300. Maybe one of the few times they'll ever actually get something over, you know, uh, close to over 10,000 since uh, the exodus. Um, they sometimes do it, but it's, it's it, this is probably one of the last ones for an actual legit dream match, I would say. But at the time, it's between Kawada and Tenru here. Yeah, it, it, there's so much going into it, and we'll, we'll talk about the match itself. But like you said, I mean, you, you could we could do hours on like everything that this match meant before the bell even rings. I mean, just so much that you know, and, and then after the match, there's so much to talk about after the match because to me, and the reason I kind of picked this match, and 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 like you said, it's like you know the final episode that you're going to have this year. Uh, in 2023 and really i always looked at this match as kind of closing the book on the king's road era uh, of all japan for wrestling and beginning whatever you want to call this in between this post exodus era we're not quite in the pro rest love you know uh keiji mudo era just yet it's just something in between and it's something completely different and the match is going to be worked very different than a king's road style match it's going to end very differently than a king's road uh, king's road uh style match plus yeah you have tenru he's back tenru who was you know the, the the biggest enemy of, of of the Babas, the biggest enemy of all Japan for wrestling, the biggest the guy left in the midst of 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 them rising up and you know going to SWS and starting that whole company there, and you know it could have cratered all Japan. It could have been the biggest thing, you know, the the, the worst thing that ever happened to them. And it ended up weirdly being the best thing that ever happened to them because then they said, all right, screw it. Then we'll try Masao. We'll try Kobachi. We'll try Tawai. We'll try uh, Kawada. And then boom, 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 boom. All four of them just all became, you know, gigantic, gigantic stars. And then the business exploded afterwards. So it ended up giving them a tremendous opening. But at the time, uh, the hurt was there and the hurt always remained with there. Where with the, you know, with, with the giant Baba in particular saying that guy will never work for me ever again. I will never work for that guy ever again because of what he did to us. And, and we know how important loyalty is, uh, you know, to, you know, Japanese wrestling and in Japan or whatever. And that and and that was the greatest bit of disloyalty, you know, you can ever see in professional wrestling, just ditching, bouncing and going, yeah, I'm going to go start this new competition against you. You know, even though I don't really have any real beef with you guys, but this guy's giving me way more money. So buy I'm out like it's just it, it, it's a wild story uh, of Tenru leaving, you know, all Japan to, to, to go, you know, basically form SWS and, and, you know, compete with all Japan for wrestling throughout the rest of the decade. And now here he is back. And not only is he back, he's against Kawada, the guy that, you know, he ditched his father. It's it's very much a father versus something, you know, more. He didn't just ditch all Japan for wrestling. He didn't just ditch, you know, giant Baba. He left Kawada high and dry. Kawada also could have been, you know, uh, you know, he ended up benefiting tremendously, but he could he did very well. Could have been the same way for him as well. Is that, you know, he, he, he ditched him in 1990. He left him high and dry. That was his tag team partner. That was his mentor. That was his trainer. And he's gone. He's, he's, he's just, he left. And, and, and Kawada kind of that resentment, like you said, was always kind of there for him as well. So you have those, just those stakes involved. I mean, just, we're talking about decades worth of stories and lore and, and, and just all this stuff going into it. These guys haven't had a match, you know, in 11 years, it was October 8th, 1989 when they last had a match. And there's totally different men. I mean, at this point, you have Tenru, who is now in kind of the twilight of his career. Kawada, who's still a gigantic, who, who's now kind of a, a, a gigantic star, maybe even bigger than he, than he ever was. And yeah, it's just, 
at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's very much a father versus son match. And it's the father who, you know, left to go get milk and never came back You know, versus the young <laughs> son. He, he left at home. Who is now like, you know what? Fuck you. You left. And now I'm the man of the house. You know, you, you left. I'm the man of this house. I'm the guy that, that, that is still here in all Japan. Now you're coming back to my territory because you're coming crawling back. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a good, I mean, the, the, everything building up to this match and, you know, both men come out and they're both wearing the yellow and the black. They're both wearing the revolution gear. And it's just, Oh, there's so much. That, that yeah, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about the the, the background of this match and and before we even get to the bell ringing. Uh, I mean, I mean that's the I think the biggest point that I think you can make is the colors because as like you know the the four pillars are deciding on, on their colors like Masawa is the silver and the and the green you know Kobashi is orange uh, Tawe is red uh, you know later on Junak is blue but like what colors does Kawada decide to to sport he's going to sport the colors of Tenru the the black with the with with yellow so it's 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 very telling like i, I you know like that that Tenru's influence even after he's you know ex, you know banned from ever coming back to to all japan by giant baba um that that Tenru that the Kawada decides you know what i I, he's still such a huge influence on me as a wrestler. I'm going to wear his colors. Yeah, and no, it, it doesn't escape anyone who watches wrestling at that time. Like all the fans know, like oh, he's he's sporting uh, Tenru's colors because Tenru is one of the few wrestlers who had you know colors in his gear. Everyone right. else wore black, right? Like right, was all black, right? So, so it, it's it's it, there's there's that. So like kind of the presence of Tenru through Kawada is always there in all Japan in the nineties. But where, whereas like now Tenru's doing SWS that full. So he forms a uh, wrestling, uh, wrestling association R or wrestling and romance. If, if that's the version of WAR <laughs> right, that you right. want to call or, and then, you know, that folds, he, he goes to do some stuff with FMW, uh, including some deathmatch stuff with Hayabusa and, and Unida. But then the most significant thing he does is he goes to new Japan for wrestling. And he is now having all these dream matches with the, the three musketeers notably with with shinya hashimoto um if you ever want to watch some hard-hitting wrestling between oh, two guys God. who just want to beat the shit out of each other just because they're wrestlers go watch any match between shinya hashimoto and jinichiro tenru he wins the iwgp heavyweight title he is the first wrestler in history to go from um to to go from being a triple crown champion to becoming iwgp champion um yeah he's the first one to go that route there's i think he might have been the first one to hold both the top of my head i can't remember exactly uh but there's so so he comes back so the exodus happens misawa leaves with most of the roster mrs baba's like at like having a crisis because he also takes their tv so they're they're oh, right. yeah yeah we forgot that point <laughs> like the, <laughs> the best thing to make money he said oh that's mine now thank you and then tv network goes yeah that's true and we're with them now bye <laughs> yeah okay so what can she do well she could do the thing that probably no one expected to happen and that is jenny Tenru returning to all japan pro wrestling and you know it's it's not it's kind of a band-aid i would say in context historically it doesn't necessarily help their business, um, but like the the fact that you know they booked they've you know they booked the triple crown tournament, which is what we're going to be talking about the finals of that tournament um, because Kobashi was a champion, he had to vacate the title, obviously. Um, but you you know like you have this legit dream match for the triple crown, 
to to kind of signal like hopefully a, a new era of all Japan for wrestling. It, of course, it doesn't happen. It, it never reaches. I, I don't I don't think until like you say, Rich, maybe the Mudo era. Yeah, the pro res love era is when they start to gain momentum and like, oh, okay, they're going to hopefully reach a point where they can try to recapture attendance rates and, and business levels of the nineties. That nah, doesn't necessarily happen because Mudo decides to leave at that point. <laughs> because Mudo is Mudo as well. So yeah, right. it doesn't uh, quite know it. It helps them feel like, cause they felt completely defeated after the exodus. It felt like, Oh my God, what, what, what is this company? What is even the purpose of this company? Is there any reason for them to exist? It felt they were on death's door, like they, that they were imminently dying Tenru kind of like you said is is a band-aid on a on a giant wound. It's like, all right, well, the bleeding is sort of st- I mean, it's still bleeding a little bit. It's still soaking through the band-aid a little bit, but at least, you know, we haven't healed it up. We haven't stitched it up, but at least we put a band-aid over it to kind of keep it. And then Mudo's kind of the beginning of the stitches, but it never, it's never the same. You know, I mean, you can stitch it up, but there's still the scars there. And the scars remain to this day. I mean, all of Japan is really never. You know, now it's wild that still we're, you know, <laughs> so many years past it. And I love All Japan. I mean, All Japan has had a tremendous year here in 2023, but they've had so many ups and downs and twists and turns in the years then. And, and, and nobody would ever argue that they've ever come close to where they were, you know, before the exodus. It's just, it's just, uh, you'd be wild to try to argue that. They just never, ever did. Oh, I, I, I still love the company. Yeah. Oh, like, off right. my yeah. ups and downs, you know, but like, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I don't expect them to ever reach you know be on a par no they're, they're, second they're to new japan or anything like that like they're not an indie i know some people like to just i don't know if i want to call them an indie maybe that's just my like <laughs> i feel so bad calling all japan wrestling you know a japanese indie or whatever but they're they're certainly closer to that than they are to new japan or whatever or or you know so it, but that's fine because you know what who cares i <laughs> i i, I like i love it i love when they I bring people from big japan and all the other indies and yeah and, no they've and, been great they've been tremendous year. if you're listening to this and you haven't watched all japan in 2023 get on board it's it's, oh, yeah, a, it's, it's a really fun company right now oh my god like aoyaki was su- su- such a such a great member of the roster over this year being triple crown champion and like now nakajima's there holy shit that's gonna be awesome yeah this post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Uh, but but let's talk about this tournament. Let's talk about each man's path to get to the finals, Rich. So for Kawada, he defeats uh, a legit one of the, someone he actually hates in real life, Steve Williams, <laughs> in the first round. Uh, and then he, he goes into the semifinals and defeats a uh, uh, former New Japan wrestler, Shiro Koshinaka. But I believe Koshinaka was originally an all-Japan wrestler, and then he jumped to New Japan. So everything comes full circle in wrestling, right? Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> when, when times get tough and money's on the line, yeah, you, you, you'll do whatever. Uh, Tenru's path is he he defeats uh, Bart Gunn, a.k.a. Mike Barton, in the first <laughs> round uh, of this. And he defeats his former tag partner and, and eternal rival, Stan Hansen, 
in the semifinals. So that brings us to Nippon Budokan for the, the, the final day of the October Giant Series, the 28th anniversary show, Rich. And, and before we get to the match, we're going to talk about this card because this is, if nothing else, this card is going to signal, show you just how dire things are in all japan oh, yeah. so it is yeah it, it's a fun card but uh none of these people are all japan pro wrestlers they're no. all uh it's 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 an interesting card but yeah you can tell it gets it gets real weird real quick so so opening is a uh, giant kimala who is an all japan guy <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. defeats uh shigeo okamura who who funny enough he this guy decides i'm not gonna have any success in japan as a wrestler so he goes to mexico and basically becomes like the liaison for every japanese wrestler who goes does their excursion over there this guy apparently takes care of everyone who comes from japan yeah he's one of the biggest movers and shakers in 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 japanese wrestling and like no i mean unless you really really know you have no idea he's just a guy that sometimes pops up on fantastic manias and you're like oh yeah oh come on hey what's he doing here and then he goes back and and does his uh his thing but yeah he's a very important figure uh in, in japanese wrestling but uh yeah it's it's a Hey, good for him to say, you know, I'm not really getting anywhere here. Let me go here. And, and yeah, he's had an incredible career and still going. Uh, Six-man tag team match, uh, the Dragon Gate, or Toriyaman at this point still. Yeah. The Toriyaman right. team of M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Yasushi Kanda. These guys are all still around, by the way. Yeah. And and, and in the terms of uh, uh, Mochizuki and Susumu, like, still as good as they were then. oh yeah maybe better maybe better. i, I think Mochizuki, masaki Mochizuki is even better now than oh, he absolutely. was back then absolutely. yeah and they defeat the trio of grand Nanuo. rest in peace great wrestler from michinoku pro uh ryuji hichigata who who still shows up in all japan every once in a while i think he was in the last version of uh, voodoo murders and 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 and, and and a basically a, a cockroach who won't go away, Taru. Yep, <laughs> who unfortunately is still around. <laughs> unfortunately, hasn't gone away. And uh, yeah, sadly. Uh, next match is a tag team match: Nobutaka Araya, who is basically Tenru's young boy, and uh, Koshinaka defeat the 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 amazing the next coming of the Miracle Finance Collection: George Hines and Mike Barton. Yes, no, just kidding. <laughs> yes, George Hines. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is unbelievable that uh, they've gotten to this point here but uh yeah george hines and, and mike barton so yeah not not quite the miracle violence connection but the uh dollar store i don't even know if a dollar store is right it's it's free you know take, hey, take mike free. barton yeah. steve williams that legit in the brawl for all so it's, it's, you know <laughs> he's got that that's the only reason he's in this company by the way is because he he legit knocked out steve williams of giant yeah. baba said oh you're free why don't you come over here if we can Absolutely. use that Six yeah, men that, tag that team. Was, that was always one of the most crazy things, you know, going and looking, you know, discovering Japanese wrestling for the first time. And I remember watching and I'm like, is that fucking Bart Gunn in all Japan? <laughs> why is he like, why did they say we need Bart Gunn? And, and yeah, learning why they did is, is even more ridiculous than the fact that Bart Gunn is, is a regular uh, in all Japan for wrestling. I, I, I love it because it's, it's like perfect pro wrestling promoter mentality, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like like years later, you know, Kendo Kashin getting pushed to the top of New Japan for Wrestling's junior division because he he beat a Gracie in a match where the Gracie was kicking his ass and then tore his ACL. So Kendo Kashin won and they're like, well, he won an MMA fight against a Gracie. This man is our new star. And it's like, but OK, he won. But did he? Oh, whatever. You know what? I'm sure it'll work. Go for it. Yeah, that, that turned out beautifully for them <laughs> uh six-man tag team match johnny smith masanova fuchi and yoshiaki fujiwara uh, you know he's one of those guys like if you said to me fujiwara was like 70 in 1990 in 2000 i believe you 
Yeah. But he's probably right. like 50, but he just, you know, this is what like a lot of like, you know, um, I, I'm going to say a Japanese uh, businessman lifestyle does to, to, to you. Uh, <laughs> those cigarettes really add up. Yeah. It's, no, he, add he's up. the guy who was looks roughly 66 years old for about 30 years at this point. So, which is good for him. Cause he doesn't look that much older these days than he did like in, in like 2010, but you know, good for him. But yeah, like you're saying, he, he basically got to a certain age, a very old age. Like he looked elderly 30 years ago and now still kind of looks, oh, I guess that's good. You know, I, I yeah. suppose that's all right. You can't tell what age he is. That's great. <laughs> right, right. Uh, this trio defeats Stan Hansen, Steve Williams, and, and uh, the second coming of Terry Gordy, Wolf Hockfield. Oh. I'm just kidding about that too. <laughs> Uh, tag team match: Jin Shinzaki and Masahiro Kakihara. This is, you know, if anything, Mrs. Baba should have just like said, "I want you two guys to stay in this company." They don't, but yeah, that, that would have been good if they if they had these guys to just be on the undercard. That would be great. They defeat Muhammad Yone, who had, who would then jump to uh, no, Pro Wrestling Noah and <laughs> right, <laughs> whoops, and, and, and Tai Okea, who who stayed, and and you know what, he he did really well for himself. I think he's part of the reason, like. When Mudo comes in and brings Kojima, they help him and Kea like yeah. help usher in like that next generation of guys that are gonna kind of spearhead all Japan throughout the 2010s. Yeah, it's one of the guys that like sometimes you know I, I love moving in wrestling. I think people moving in, and and leaving companies and going to different companies is good. I, I love it in American wrestling. I think it's 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 necessary in American wrestling. Japanese wrestling, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of a different vibe about it because of the loyalty stuff. But we say that, and there's been a lot of movement lately, uh, especially anytime the business is kind of not in a perfect spot. People come and go and move. And you just talked about Nakajima and all Japan. I think that really, really, in, in, it helps out. Uh, all Japan in a big way. And the movement of, you know, the exodus happening helped a lot of dudes in All Japan too. Cause like you said, Kawada was like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to be in a better spot if I stay here. Uh, Taiokea, again, like there's no way on earth if all those guys stay that there's ever a situation where Taiokea is anywhere near, you know, the triple crown. And then he ends up becoming a big part of, of, of All Japan Pro Wrestling moving forward. And, and, and those guys, you know, so I, I, I agree. I, like I, I'm with it. And I think it's a really, really cool idea that that, that guy and, and many other people said, you know what? It's not good right now. It looks real dire right now, but I'm going to hang around. I'm going to stay because, you know, I stand to be in a better position. And we got some really fun matches. I mean, again, Taioke is, you know, no great shakes, but I think that the run that he had when Muda got there and when things, it really, you know, it's fun. Like, I, I enjoy his stuff at the, in that era. I think it's pretty solid, actually. So, um, but yeah, he's a guy who, again, would have never had that opportunity if he had left and just joined the Exodus and he was one of, you know, the, the 20 dudes that, that are there and just gets completely lost in the shuffle. He stays in all Japan and ends up being a, a great move for him. Yeah, I mean... Go watch. I recommend anytime he's in the ring with Tenru. I recommend the match he has yeah. with Kojima. And I love his tag team. You know, roughly obsessed and destroy Takamichinoku's group. But the form team he forms with with Jamal, aka Umaka, is <laughs> things got real weird. Awesome. Guys. That team, Tayokea, fucking <laughs> Jamal is fucking awesome. What a yes. team that was. Yeah, Jamal in All Japan in the 2010s. Yeah, it's wild. Great yeah, it's those, those, I mean, things get wild in All Japan there for a while. Where like I remember, you know, reading results and I'm like, D'Lo Brown, Jamal, what is happening to All Japan? What is going on over there? But then you watch it and it's all guys doing pretty good. And it was like, like that became the fun thing to talk about is like the guys that they would bring guys in from America and those guys would work their asses off when they're in All Japan because there's just a different working standard there and there's just a different idea uh, of what you're going to do. But yeah, it ended up making for a really fun decade for All Japan. It wasn't all great. It wasn't all great, yeah. but. Uh, most of them were fun uh, at, at the very low, and there was there were some yeah there were misses, but uh, wow. more times than not, there was some really good stuff in that era. For for, for, for every uh, D'Lo Brown and, and 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 Jamal, you also got Chuck Palumbo, yeah, and, and Viscera. So 
Oh my God. I always forget that he was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but but let, let's get to the, the main event. Janitra Tenru taking on Toshia Kawada for the vacant triple crown. Rich, how old do you think T- Tenru is at the time of this match? Now, he's another guy like Fujiwara who in 1990 looked like he was 54 years old and then never really aged ever again. Like his final few years, he did start to kind of look old. Uh, you know, obviously the match with Okada and, and like uh, the, the build up to that. So, how old is Janitra Tenru here in the year 2000? I want to say he is 45 uh, he is 50 oh all right that's not bad match. he looks pretty good for 50 at this time he does and like honestly he's he's gonna have another 10 years of like right, pretty right. good matches <laughs> from and this point out. like he was never a body guy he, you know he come from the sumo world so he was obviously a a bit of a beefy guy like in the 80s he's, he's pretty trim but by like the late 80s you can he's already kind of got the 10 root guts and he's kind of just looks like and and that helps like it's not like his body broke or like he didn't look like oh man that guy's old he doesn't he's not in great shape anymore it's like oh this guy's in the same shape that he was 20 he's years going ago, out so. with the sponsors every night rich exactly. you know like yeah. you know they're paying for all his his, like you know his his wagyu beef and and all the all the alcohol he's drinking he's easy to say no oh yeah and, and i love like after the match you know jumping ahead like you know he's gonna win this match and he's just chugging beers backstage <laughs> like he gets backstage and he's all sweaty and you know how normally the guys will have a beer next like is that still happens today guys will get to the desk and there's a beer there and they'll you know take a couple sips but more than it's just like tenor's just got a glass of unsponsored beer that he's just chugging in a frosty mug <laughs> it's just like yep because you knew the second that guy was gonna get backstage he needed uh, uh he needed a beer and you know he was going out and he was eating uh he was eating some uh some japanese barbecue or some wagyu beef uh, within an hour after this match for sure but not before araya has to towel this man's entire body dry of course oh yeah well hey why do you have a young boy if you don't, if you don't get beer and, and uh, towel off sweat so uh and how old do you think uh, our friend dangerous k is at this time oh man i want to say he is 39 oh you're very close he's 37 37 okay so he always looked a little older than he was mm. I, like i always i always kind of got like you knew he was young, but he always, the bags under his eyes. He's a guy that did not look like he ever got a very good night's sleep. So also, always... all his front teeth are missing too. So. And that doesn't help. Yeah, that definitely doesn't help. So he looks. He looks. Actually, I think he looks a lot younger now. Maybe. Yes. No, you're right. Every time you know, I see him now, I'm like, Kawada looks like fantastic for his age because he's because he's what now? He's, he's got to be. He's in his fifties. He's like close to sixty. I think. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're right. He actually looks like he gets more sleep I, these days. And I think he he so really enjoys making yeah. ramen. You know, yeah, at his right, restaurant. Right. So right. There you go. Uh, yeah. He's he's 59 years old. So he's actually just about to be 60. Yeah. So he's uh no, he looks pretty good for his age these days. I Every time so. I see him now, I'm like I I would think he's in his mid 50s or whatever, not approaching you 60s. Know, so. He's coming to Starcast and hanging out with Eddie <laughs> Kingston and shit. Like that's it, one of it, my big regrets, man. I so I, I really badly, really wanted to go to Starcast. My wife was like, she wanted to do stuff that weekend. I was trying everything possible to be like, ah, you know what? I gotta like go do something. Like I was trying to lie about what I wanted to do because the idea of being like, hey, I'm gonna ditch you to go get a picture with Kawhi, but I should have just put my foot down and said, you know what? No. So once in a lifetime, and I'm not a big like go and get guys autographs thing i'm not a good but like he's one of the dudes that if he's there you got to do it and and i didn't do it so i i i really regret that one of my one of my I, regrets not i it. i'm sure eddie's gonna bring him back to america so i hope so and do it do, so do I can, some I like, correct that wrong because yeah I, then i got like flooded with like texts of my friends going to meet him and pictures of it and i was like god <laughs> damn it i should be there right now what am i doing uh i i plan to meet him when i when i return to japan for a visit and, and go to his ramen restaurant hopefully he's working that day and i'll get a picture with him. is it, is it well regarded is it is it good ramen or, or is it just uh 
I, I, I think at the time when I was still living there, and we, I, I, I almost went with John Pollock, Rich. We almost went. You but gotta, yeah. It was a long. It's a long way out of Central Tokyo. It's oh, like okay. Almost okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like an hour and a half, two hours by train. Ah, that's tough. Yeah, that's it, tough. If you're in Japan it, for it, a limited it, amount of time, so, and it's not like there's a lot, a lot of ramen to be eaten. <laughs> so it it's, is it's not quite. And, and we got a better offer so <laughs> to have ramen in, in Tokyo from <laughs> from from Jojo Revy. So he's like, I know a really great place, and it's only like twenty minutes from your hotel. That's okay, let's go there. Yeah. But uh, let's get to the match itself. So yeah, Tenru yeah. is out first, followed by Kawada, and and our title match proclamation is done by none other than Canadian wrestling legend Gene Kaninsky. I I I, I love when Gene Kaninsky shows up here because Lord James Blair's. I think he's he might have been retired at this point, but but Gene Kaninsky with his like gravelly voice that I cannot understand what he's saying. Yeah, is, he doesn't know. Awesome. Yeah, he, I, he like his pronunciation of the guys is now he's like here in the oh dribble crowd, Jandrew <laughs> It's like I don't know what's going on, but it's great. I still love that they do this. I, I like there's something about the 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 old you know white whether it be a Stan Hansen, whether it be you know Canada's greatest athlete, Kinski, whatever it may be. I, I always have a soft spot for the guy going out there and reading the proclamation before the title matches. It just adds such a big thing. If I was ever a wrestling promoter, which God help me, I, I will hopefully never get to a p- position where I'm dumb enough to just light my money on fire and become a wrestling promoter. But uh, if I ever decide, maybe if I win the lottery and I, I do it, one of the things I would steal is, is is I would steal the the New Japan thing where they show all the champions on the screen before with the, the great music, and I would steal the proclamation. I would also steal the Dragon Gate, you know, uh, national anthem thing. It would take like forty five minutes before a championship match might start because I'm stealing all that shit. I love all of well, that. Well, and you can let also all your wrestlers book their own angles too. Right, exactly. Right, so that works out really well. <laughs> right, I'll be, I'd probably be a pushover too. So th- similar things would probably happen. But no, I, I love the proclamations. I love that the, there's still a level of professionalism where the PWF has to, you know, uh, be the governing body of this title match. Nobody cares. Nobody. It doesn't really matter. But God, I, I love that it, that they still care. I love that the company still cares about doing that. Uh so, so still steeped in tradition, which I yeah, love. Yeah. Our, our referee is a, a, a still young, youngish Kyohewara here. Uh, uh, he's still great in this era. He's such he's still an awesome referee. I'm, unfortunately, as he gets close to the age of seventy, he's not so much great anymore. Yeah, but, the counting is still done at a at a relatively decent pace here, as opposed to yeah, but a little bit later when it's like one. All right, here comes two, two. All right, here, yeah. So he's still solid at this point. He's still he's still one of the best to ever do it at this time. So they they start off with a Greco Roman knuckle lock where where neither man can get an advantage. They they, they transition to a collar and elbow lockup. Uh, now with a Tenru backing Kawad into the corner, there's a clean break, uh, a clean break from Tenru. They lock up once again. Uh, Tenru transitions to a standing wrist lock to an armbar. Kawada tries to escape, but Tenru has a solid grip on Kawada here. Uh, Kawada takes Tenru down and gets a side mount, applies a side headlock on his form mentor. Basically, the first five to seven minutes of this is is a feeling out process because this is their like you said this is their first singles match against one another in how long again 13 years uh, 11 yeah the 11. last time they had a singles match it was october 8th 1989 and and when tenru came back he was actually in a lot of tag matches with with Kawada. they were yeah, actually on the yeah. same time this we, we should preface this isn't his first match back or whatever it's not just he just jumps into the tournament he kind of 
dips his toes in the waters a little bit, does a lot of tag matches, does start stuff in, in the background as they're kind of getting him back. But yeah, this is, you know, his first kind of big time singles match. If you, if you don't count those previous tournament matches, but yeah, he'd been around a little bit uh, for a couple of months prior to this, but mostly just doing stuff in the background, doing tag matches, that sort of stuff. So things pick up when Tenru shoots Kawada to the ropes, but Kawada is able to knock the older man down with a shoulder block. And then he falls up with three, of his trademark stiff kicks to the back of Tenru and, and Tenru classic Tenru Tenru just gets up, no sells any of these kicks. and just stares at Kawada. Like I'm now going to fucking kill you. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a great moment. And, and to it, it works with the father versus son thing. It's the son saying, yeah, look what I got for you now, dad. And boom, boom, boom. And, and the father just standing up and going, nah, that's not, <laughs> I taught you better than that. No, 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 no. Now you got it. Now you're grounded. Now I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that sort of stuff, but God, this is, I, I love Tenru. Uh, he, he's, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. Like you mentioned, what's, what are my four, you know, my favorite pillars. And I, I mentioned Kobashi and, 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 uh, and, and Kawada, but like my all time, all time guy is Tenru. Uh, that, that's a dude that just, holy crap. The, the, the I, I just love his style of wrestling. I love, and it's just all, a lot of it is facials. A lot of it is what he does in between his work. His work is phenomenal, but the guy just, the aura that he has around him, just the, 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 the vibes around Tenru are just unmatched. And yeah, you get it. Like you said, it, it comes in because the beginning of the match is very much like they're trying to, you know, do wrist locks and they're doing these sort of things here. Then Kawada kicks it up and the Tenru is just like, oh, you fucked up now, man. <laughs> and then yeah. we're off. Then we're off, man. We're ready to go. I would say Tenru is like the precursor of Minoru Suzuki. Like a oh, lot yeah, of when yeah. Minoru Suzuki, his his character is is was done by Tenru, like the grumpy veteran who will abuse a younger wrestler in the ring, not, not taking liberties with them, like in real life or anything like that, but that's his character, right? Like he's going to beat the shit out of you. If you're a younger wrestler and, and from, from Minoru Suzuki to Jun Akiyama, Tenru lays down. The, I'm not saying he's the first person to ever do it, but he lays the blueprint for guys like Minoru Suzuki and, oh, yeah. and Jun Akiyama for being that grumpy older wrestler asshole. <laughs> and, and for, for fans like us, Rich, we, we eat this stuff up. Love, love the grumpy veteran asshole. Yeah, it's 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 the best. And yeah, it's just all it's subtle stuff too. It, you know, I mean, it's just the look on his face, like you said. He just stands up, just like, ah, man, now I got to do this. Like he never wants to do it. You know what I mean? It's just like, ah, damn it, now you've made me do this. You know, he puts his. It's like you know the dad putting his beard down to, like, you know, to go discipline the child or whatever. He doesn't want to do it. But he's like, ah, you made me do it. All right, fine. Now I got to kill you. And and that's uh, it's it's I love it. It's so good. It's on. They start a forearm exchange with one another. Kawada hits the ropes and Tenru meets him with a stiff chop to the throat and then snaps him over to, to deliver his own stiff kicks to the back of Kawada. Kawada retaliates with uh, with his trademark low kicks to Tenru's legs and calves. He follows up with a slam and more kicks, but Tenru isn't having any of it rich and he stands up to break Kawada's momentum. He just no sells. I just like, he just, that didn't, didn't do nothing to me. Fuck you. Right, right, right. It, it's, it's, it, there is a lot of that in this match. There's a lot of no selling in this match. And and some people might, you know, I, I was reading other people's reviews and they, they, you know, a lot of people didn't love that or, Oh, it, you know, this happened. And then they know. So I, I, I love that shit. I, Cause I think this is so much of a match about like, it's a battle of wits more so than a battle, like a physical battle. It's a battle of, like we said, the father versus son battle. It's the battle that these guys, you know, he abandoned him and, and, and here's the father coming back to face off against the son that he left and the son who's angry that the father left. And now he's back in his territory and his area and his company or whatever. So it's just like, I, I don't know, to me, like the no selling works for this match. There, there's several points where these guys are going to do something to each other and the other guy's just going to get up and just kind of, you know, snarl about it. And I, I love that stuff, man. I, I think it works for a situation like this where you can buy that a guy 
maybe, and you can even buy that like this guy is hurt or that something does hurt this guy, but that he's, he doesn't want to show it. They don't want to show the other guy that they're hurt. They don't want to show the other guy that they've gotten one up on him. So that's where I, I think so many people go to no selling immediately. as like, oh, that's made no sense. Or, ah, da, 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 da. I don't know if that's always the case. I think sometimes, you know, pride plays a huge, huge factor in this. And there's a lot of pride in this match. I mean, with Tenru, you, you, I, I, my you know, kind of explanation would be like, this guy is like at this point, what, a 20 year veteran in this business in like doing like some of the hardest hitting wrestling of all time, like with Jumbo, with like, you know, Hashimoto, he, he, he can take it. He's experienced. So like, he's not going to just like, you know, crumble up and, and curl up into a fetal position for a stiff, you know, kick to the back. He gets, he's going to be like, Fuck you. you! Right, right. You think, yeah, I'm, exactly. you think I'm washed up? Uh, uh-uh, uh. I'm gonna show you how washed up I am, and that absolutely. So, um, uh, Tenru backs Kawada into the corner and starts peppering him with his trademark stiff chops, punches to the face combo. I love this. Is one of my favorite Ten Tenru combos is like punch, chop, punch, chop, punch, and, and everything looks like they're they are connecting. And he's yeah. he's so great at this. Oh, it's one of the greatest moves. And yeah, it's a, it's a move that I didn't even know was his. Like I, I remember him from the WCW N64 games long before I knew, you know, anything about, uh, you know, the all Japan games that were, they were modeled after or whatever. But I remember guys would have this move and I was like, man, I don't know what this move is or who this is, but I, every one of my creative wrestlers and all those games always had that move. And, and uh, I forget what, I forget what the Tenru character was in, in revenge of world tour. I forget what his, it was his name was. I can look it up or they, they had some you. crazy names for, for the, yeah, they were weird. I think wrestling. he was like Fujo, uh, sumo something. I, I forget what it was. I'll, I'll figure it out you know, later during the show or something like that. It'll come to me. But, uh, no, I always played as those characters and I never knew, I didn't know what Tenru was. I knew nothing about Tenru, but I, that was the move that always, I, I love doing that to friends. Cause like you would do it and it would just last for like, you know, 20 seconds where they're like, what the fuck? I can't do anything and i'm like no as he's boom 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 punch chop, punch chop, punch. it's great stuff and then yeah when i discovered tenru was a real person and, and really good and he did those things in real life uh it was a game changer for me yeah that's one of my favorite things and the crowd at this point too is just going nuts because now oh, they're yeah. he's back in their ring he's back in an all japan ring doing tenru things he's back he's better than ever he's you know it, it, you can feel that healing process like you're saying they, they, these fans feel like okay we lost a lot here we lost uh our, our really we lost our identity when all those guys left with the Exodus, but we're starting to maybe, maybe it's a new identity, maybe it's an old identity, whatever it is, we're we're, we're getting it back, and you can tell, you can hear the pride of the crowd as as Tenru is just doing these moves, and they're like, holy shit, we're watching this guy, and he's back, and he's he's just as good as when he left. Uh, Kawada gets pissed off and switches position and starts laying in his own stiff chops to Tenru. Some more exchanges of strikes with Tenru on his back, going for low kicks to Kawada's legs, to, taking a page out of Dangerous Case playbook here however kawada is able to hit a jumping knee to the face of a prone on his back tenru that can't be fun even though i'm sure he's protecting him it's like yeah there's some contact there it doesn't matter oh, how yeah. good you are it's, it's wrestling it's japanese wrestling it, yeah it's japanese wrestling that, that's why i always tell people because because i'll show matches to people and they're like are they really hitting each other and i'm like well yeah and they're like like you know isn't supposed to be you know because there are people that, that don't watch any japanese wrestling and i try to get them to watch usually when people are bitching and moaning about like u.s wrestling i'm like all right shut up and watch this stuff then instead because like you know put your money where your mouth is watch this stuff instead and and i usually get that like and it really looks like they're hitting each other are they like mad at, and i'm like ah, that's just kind of what you do i mean that's just part of the style is sometimes you you know they don't have to hate each other to to you know lay it in a little thick and and i i appreciate that it's, it's something i always appreciated about uh you know uh, all japan for wrestling particularly in the 90s is that you know hey part of it it's 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 supposed to be a simulation of a sport so you know what lay it in a couple times if both guys are cool with it they're cool with it kawada goes for a series of kicks which tenru absorbs until he is able to land some punches on kawada which 
Kawada selling of these punches because he just looks like he is knocked loopy. He he like he's about to like sit down because he can't stand up. This is like the thing. Like I, I I'm gonna say Kawada is probably for me personally like one of the top three sellers of all time up there with like someone like Shinjiro Otani, especially with facials. Like the facials that the Kawada does is like it's unparalleled even to this day in wrestling. No, he, he's, he's, uh, you're right on the money there. He is a tremendous seller. And that might be one of the reasons why I maybe appreciate him a little bit more. And like you said, why, why maybe he's one of your favorites too, is because during the course of a match, he is so good at selling and, 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 and letting you know that he's struggling and letting you know that he's like, you don't, I, I don't know that you get that as much from Kobashi Masawa. They look like they're in control almost the entire time. I mean, they they might be taking falls. They might be getting dropped on their head uh, quite literally <laughs> in many cases, but you don't feel the struggle as much as you feel the struggle with Kawada. Like this guy is getting hurt. This guy is starting to fade. This guy is starting to, you know, maybe be on the wrong side of this match. And then that's what makes his comeback so much more uh, incredible and so great and so interesting. And that might be a big reason why, like we said at the top of the show, why you and I both really, you know, adore uh, Kawada is that, that selling really plays a big part of it. So it's a, it's a very back and forth match so far, but there's a point where Kawada goes back to the kicks this time to Tenru's face but Tenru's strategy seems to be like, I'm going to take this punishment from him so I can do something uh, special, which in this case is hitting Kawada with this sick looking dragon screw leg whip. Not, not the kind of, uh, you know, Tatsumi Fujinami, Keijimuto, Tanahashi type of dragon screw leg whip, Rich, but one that's looked like he just torques on that knee joint. Yeah. And it looks like, okay, Kawada didn't go over. Like, Kawada's still staying in the same position, but, but guess what? His knee joint and his leg went with Tenru and it's 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 one of those ones that I I like these ones a lot they look more realistic yeah no it's 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 not smooth at all but it's that that makes it better you know what I mean like it's not it's not smooth it's not fluid it looks like it fucking hurts it looks like your knee is in a lot of pain uh when it's done it is an awesome awesome move and 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 you're you're absolutely right I'll, I'll take this over the the fluid fast you know well done dragon screw i'll take the i'm just gonna bend your knee joint and if your body goes your body goes but if not i don't really care <laughs> type of the dragon screw that tenru does here tenru applies a knee bar to the leg but kawada is able to withstand it until he gets to the ropes then tenru transitions to a figure four leg lock but kawada is able to escape that as well i know a lot of people don't like this sequence in the match because like it doesn't play into the finish at all and kawada doesn't really sell it but i i, I don't care i'm i like psychology in wrestling, but I'm not a selling fetishist. Like, yeah, because you know, at the end of the match, Kawada's like, I'm close to the prize. I'm going to become the triple crown champion. I'm going to beat my mentor. So like the adrenaline is pumping throughout his body into, into his knee joints, rich, you know? And so like, it's giving him the energy to not feel the pain of all the damage that the tenor is doing at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, one time Kenny Omega, you know, f- followed up with people because there was a time I forget when it was. I'm sure it was when he was having great matches in <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling, and people were were bad mouthing some sell or whatever. And he's like, "Look, I played hockey with broken ankles, twisted ankles, a jacked up knees, jacked up shoulders. Guys are playing with injuries all the time. It, it's a matter of how much are you going to fight through it. And sometimes, yes, you are. You should sell. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't sell. You should, sell, but like there are times where absolutely, in the case of adrenaline. And Kenny said that too. There's times where I'd get on a hockey rink and I'd I'd hurt like hell. But once that puck dropped, it was like, all right, you know what, whatever. You know, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna get through it. Happens, you know, athletes 
can get through pain a lot. They're, they're not supposed to be incapacitated all the time. So yeah, adrenaline in a case like this, he's facing his mentor for the triple crown championship in this company that he needs to save. Of course, he's going to say, screw the knee, screw whatever. I need to win this match above anything else. I have to win this match. So I'm, I'm hundred percent with you. I, I think no, you, you need, you should sell and selling is important. Psychology is important, but yeah, you, 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 I don't need a guy limping the entire time. I, I, I'm okay with a guy that has been limping to now say, you know what? Screw this. I'm getting through. I'm letting the adrenaline get me through this match. And, and, and that's what happens here. I, it doesn't bother me like it bothers some other people. Uh, more punches that do a lot of visible damage to Guada, thanks to his selling, of course. And Tenru goes for the uh, Sasori Gatame, or as it's more famously known as the Scorpion Deathlock. Uh, he, he, he does a really great version. He just... First of all, he locks in the the knees and the legs really tightly around his own leg, and then he just sits back on Kawada yeah. here. I think it might. This is like something he must have like picked up from like watching or or facing Ricky Joshi uh, so many Absolutely. so many times. Yeah, this is a move that uh, unless you know how to do, I, I don't know if you've ever like. I'm, I'm sure you've done like wrestling moves to people when, when you're younger. That was always the fun thing. We used to do sharpshooters to each other, and then we realized like this move kind of hurts. And I think a lot of it was because when you do it like the Bret Hart style, you kind of make sure there's a little bit of a space between the knees. You don't go all the way down. Sometimes you would go all the way down, but then you see how like the Japanese guys do it, and you're like, well, yeah, that's why it hurts. Like it's knee on knee, and then you pull back. There's no way that's not going to hurt. So, so I agree. This is uh, he he does it really well, and like you said, a lot of Ricky Choshu. Uh, uh, elements in there uh some more uh chop punch combos which will play into the finish of this match this is what this is what's gonna this is the psychology the real psychology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are these ch- uh, chop punch especially the punches this this is like tenru is his 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 strategy in this match is brilliant because he knows like a lot of the things that like he could try to do that like masao or kobashi or tawe or, or stan hansen could try to do in a similar situation aren't necessarily going to put away this guy so i'm gonna to play to my strengths and and we'll talk about that when we get to the finish uh tenru tries for a brain buster but kawada is able to get him him over uh with a vertical suplex uh, there are high kicks to the face with a flurry of kicks and strikes on tenru including one particularly stiff looking one to the face that just stuns tenru and 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 here here kawada's like okay i i have to like just unleash everything on tenru because like you know he's 37 you know tenru is 50 so I, you got to think, uh, Kawada's thinking, I'm younger, I'm in my prime. He's getting closer to, you know, you know, the quote unquote twilight of his career, and he's he's a lot has a lot more mileage on his body. I should be able to feed him, but I can't. So like I'm now I'm just gonna he's unleashing it all at, at this point in the match. Yeah, it, it's it, and this is kind of where we are seeing the difference of like I mentioned, where the, this match more than anything kind of closes the book to me on the King's Road era. Uh, of all Japan, because Kawada's going to what he knew and what what he would do over the last ten years, which is you know we're going to do big time suplexes. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do you know these these sort of I'm going to hit my big moves and and you're going to kick out of them or we're, we're going to go back and forth and throw bombs at one another. And kind of like you said, Tenru is is just kind of sitting back and, and and not necessarily falling into the trap that Kawada is trying to get him into. And Kawada's doing everything. Kawada is going through the whole book, the whole bag. You know everything that he could possibly do is he's throwing at at Tenru and Tenru is just sitting back and sitting back and sitting back. And like you said, getting a punch in there every so often, getting a chop in there every so often, doing those sort of things. These guys aren't throwing bombs back and forth. One guy is throwing bombs. One guy is doing everything he can to throw those bombs. The other guy is sitting back and sitting back. And I think to me that that more than anything signifies this end of the King's Row because 
if Quad is in there with Kobashi, Kobashi's then going to grab him and do a belly to back suplex and drop him on his neck. And, you know, that that sort of stuff back and forth. Tenru is just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there and playing the long game while Kawada's is getting himself all tired out and all tuckered out or whatever, doing whatever he can to beat his old dad or whatever. And, 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 and it makes for a really fun dynamic of the match where one guy is, is symbolizing that, that previous era. And this other guy is a whole different thing altogether in Tenru. There's not that many, like, you know, like two, like, Pit attempts, actually. I don't even remember. I was trying to count them, and I think I got to like three or four. And yeah, it, it not many. I mean, you have a couple no. at the beginning of the match during like the feeling out process, but then I think you have about ten minutes or so where where neither guy is attempting a pinfall. They're just trying to beat the other guy into in, in, and know when it is time to beat them. And then what we'll see from Tenru is he had a completely different idea altogether uh, of how we wanted to win this match. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I didn't do an exact count. I like to do that sometimes, but uh, there was not many, not many at all. No. Tenru climbs to the top rope and hits his uh, falling backwards elbow, and then he goes for the WAR special, which is his, his submission move. Kawada gets up, and both guys hit each other some more before Kawada uh, gives Tenru one motherfucker of a receipt when he punches Tenru in the face and follows up with an integrator. This is like one of them straight-ass like punches oh, yeah. in the guy's face. I loved it. And then Tenru just, like, you know, he just sells it so beautifully. And then, but you know, before he can go down, like, Kawada just hits him with a with a beautiful looking enziguri. It's great. Yeah, a, a great sell uh, uh, by uh, by Tenru. And sometimes it's better to you know kind of lay it in a little bit. You know, the famous match with Tenru and Okada, where you know uh, the famous story as well, where halfway through that match or, or a couple minutes into that match, Tenru tells Okada like, uh, "You're just gonna have to hit me hard, man. Let's let's make like I can't do it anymore. I don't think I can get on your level anymore. So you know what we're gonna do? You gotta just punch me in the face, and it'll look a lot better." And Okada just being like, "Are you sure?" And it's uh, Tenru being like, "Yeah." And you get it here. We're 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 it is so much better that Kawada just lays it into him. You know what I mean? Like he could have chopped him again. He could have struck him again with the forearm, but it's so much better that he just reared back and just punched him. And as we're going to see with the finish, it makes all the sense in the world too. So it may, it worked from a psychology standpoint too. And it's just, yeah, sometimes it's so much better to just lay in it, lay it in there. And, and, and Tender's a big boy. He can handle it. And uh, he's given many of them out. <laughs> he can handle a few punches himself. So, yeah, Tenru is the kind of guy, like, you know, hey, I'm going to hit you really hard, so you can hit right, me really hard. Me. I, I don't I'm care. I'm about to punch you, so you can punch me. It's all good, brother. Uh, with Tenru sitting on the mat, Kawada hits a beautiful series of chops and kicks and then goes for his one of his signature moves, the sitting uh, stretch plum, stolen from or inspired by. So I like to say stolen from uh, Plum Marco. Uh, uh, Tenru won't give up. Won't give up though, and prevents Kawada from getting him up with a with a power bomb. Uh, so Kawada's trying to power bomb Tenru, but uh, Tenru is able to flip him over with a backdrop. Uh, Kawada gets up right away and goes for a running kick to the face, but Tenru uh, has scouted this and gets to Kawada first with a stiff looking clothesline. So you know, like my, in my head canon, Rich, I'm thinking you know Tenru's prepared for this. He's watched countless like uh, 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 he's done some take trading of his own. Oh, and for sure. and, uh, and and watched a bunch of four. Uh, he's like, you know, I'm gonna watch some Kawada versus Kobashi. That's gonna be my one of my strategies. I'm not gonna go for the Masawa uh, strategy. I'm gonna go for the Kobashi strategy. Yeah. And he he hits him with like a a, a very fine looking stiff clothesline. Oh yeah, it is loud. It's a loud lariat too. It, it is uh, it rocks. It, it's it's a really cool moment. Like you said, yeah, he's one step. A lot of this match is Tenru is one step. The father is still one step ahead of the son in a lot of ways, and th- this is probably the most telling of that where where quite feels like he's got a little momentum here things like he's got something and then yeah tenru just takes his fucking head off uh tenru unsuc- unsuccessfully goes for his own power bomb and then goes for an unsuccessful looking capo kick which ends up looking like he hit kawada with his ass 
And, and unfortunately, this gets some kind of kind of laughs, and may, maybe I hear a groan here, here and there in in Budokan Hall. Yeah, I, th- this is you're, you're not wrong. My notes kind of say like uh, didn't get all of that, and then yeah, I was kind of I, I did remark too. It was pretty interesting that the the crowd did sort of go like uh, like maybe oh, maybe this guy doesn't have it. Maybe he's not you know enough. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting spot in, in this match, and it does sort of. It, it briefly takes you out of the match a little bit just because it, it seemed to take the crowd out of the match a little bit too, but we, we got back on track quickly. Uh, there's, there's a, a strike exchange between the two again. And then, but Kawada is now getting into King's road mode. He hits Tenru with two backdrop drivers in a row. Uh, fortunately, Tenru is able to roll out to the floor from the second one where he looks really woozy. He gets back up on the apron, but Kawada hits the ropes and then hits Kawada straight in the face with a running kick to his face, which not only sends Tenru flying into the barricades, flying into the area where Gene Kandinsky is sitting, but also busts open uh, Tenru's nose legit. Yeah, which is, is perfect, too. Anytime, accidental blood is one of my favorite things in wrestling. It just brings up a match so much more. And uh, yeah, Tenru with a bloody and busted up nose is only going to take this thing up many, many, many notches. And, and it absolutely does. Uh, Kawada comes out to the ring, uh, out to the floor, and whips Tenru into a barricade and then knocks him over with a running kick to the face. Kawada with a series of kicks to the face and chest, and Enziguri is blocked by Tenru, but he's not able to block the running kick to the face again. So now this bloody nose is a big target for, for Kawada. Uh, Tenru takes an Enziguri to the back of the head, but he's able to hit Kawada with another stiff lariat. Uh, this is now that we're, we're at the, like the, the crescendo here, Rich Kawada is able to duck another lariat, but not, not the stiff punch of the face, No, <laughs> which basically knocks him out. And then Tender delivers the coup de gras and hits the, the awesome Northern lights bomb for the three count and wins the triple crown for the second time in his career in 26 minutes and 28 seconds. And I have to say, I, I did not feel this is like an, this is like a close to 30 minute match. I feel this is kind of maybe 10. It feels like it's like 10 minutes shorter to me. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I, I kind of had the same thought too. It's 26, 28 and uh, it doesn't feel like that. It feels kind of like a 18 to 19 minute match or whatever. And, and that's a testament to these guys. Uh, a, a, as well, they made a match that was thirty. It, the time flew by. Yeah, I, I, I would never have thought this was almost a, a thirty-minute match. And I do love that finish too because he gives him the punch, like you said. Kawada is out. The guy is knocked out. His he's loopy. He falls to the mat. You can tell he's done. And then Tender's like, Nah, I'm gonna pick you up and then drop you on your head. And then I'm gonna. It, it, it's just that that next little bit of disrespect and, and and shock. And then when that one, two, three hits and that crowd realizes, Oh my God, Tenru is a triple crown champion. There's a gasp that comes from the crowd. They just cannot believe what they're seeing here. That Tenru here has come back to this company has come back to all Japan for wrestling. And he's once again, uh, the triple crown champion and, and Kawada is just, you could tell he's livid. He leaves the ring and is just so pissed and spitting and snarling and just cannot believe that this guy, his his dad has come back and beat him for the triple crown, and 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 now what is he going to do to recover uh, and get back on track here? I, I I think a great great finish and 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 the right result too. I, I know at the time I was going and reading like all the, everybody was kind of like I don't know if giving the the title to Tenru was really the right move, or right? but I, I think it did help. I it, it did because then Kawada had something to kind of work for and 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 work towards, and it gives you a little bit more of a story. As if because if Tenru just comes in and Kawada just beats him, it's like all right, Kawada's the champion, and you know now we're just going to bring a bunch of dudes in. I think it, it worked best to have the quote unquote invader. You know, at this time, he still kind of feels like an invader come in 
uh, and win that title and then, you know, do something. Cause that, that was, and that was a template for so many, you know, title wins uh, over the nineties, the, the particularly in new Japan, where you'd have kind of that outsider come in, win the title. And then the new Japan guys have to go back and, and, and win the title from him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, overall, I think this is a, a really a very fun and even match. And what I, I, to your point earlier, he, Tenru doesn't try to recreate King's road style here. Mm, he can't. Oh, you know, he, he's, he, he, there's not multiple kickouts after big moves. And, and like, I like the fact, like, and you met, you said this, I like the fact that Kawada takes the Norlight bomb. He, he's, he's not, he's knocked out by the punch beforehand, but, but he gets pinned instead of like, and there's not another like seven, 10 minutes of big bombs and kickouts, you know, going into this. I, I like the structure of this match. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and to your point about Tenru be winning the title. I mean, it now frees Kawada up to do all the the, the New Japan stuff that he's going to do, which is what is going to help also keep the, the doors open in, in all Japan. Is like, okay, now I can go. I'm not the Triple Crown champion, so politically, I don't have to, you know, finagle finishes with Choshu over at New Japan with Sasaki. So he has the matches with Kensuke Sasaki. He has the, the awesome tag match where him and Fuji take on Nagata Izuka. You know, and they don't have to worry about politics as much as they would if Kawada was the Triple Crown champion. And and to your point, it makes sense for Tenru to come in and become the Triple Crown champion because it's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't had the Triple Crown in what, like, uh, I don't know, eleven years. You know, so the last time he held it, he he was facing Jumbo, and now it's like it's a new era. It's a new Tenru. It's a different Tenru. And it's a different promotion. And like, there's intrigue. I think with fans at the time, they're like, well, who's he going to face? Who are they going to bring in to, to, to fight him? And uh, we'll talk about that. The aftermath. Uh, Absolutely. Would, would he, he would defend the belt once against uh, Tai Okea, And then he loses the belt to Keiji Muto on June 8th, 2001. So this kind of epitomizes Tenru's tenure on top in all Japan is that he is the transition from uh, Four Pillars era from Giant Baba booking yep. to the coming in of Keiji Muto, where Mrs. Baba just loves Muto to the point where she she doesn't want to sell the company to Misawa, even though he's offering to buy it from her. <laughs> right? No. This guy comes in. No, uh, you're you're going to change it too much. I don't like your ideas. But then he sells it to Muto, who's going to bring in <laughs> porn stars and and all these American guys because that's more palpable to Mrs. Baba. I who knows Muto's but, got a way man there's a way i don't i would not want to be in a room with that guy because he I, I don't know what he does i don't know what magical powers he has but this guy time and time and time and time and time again ha, have have convinced people to do stuff against their better judgment so who knows who knows this guy's a whiner and a diner i don't know what it is but he, he makes it work every time he could probably sell you some some swamp land in over in uh, sure i don't know i yeah this is, i don't want to be in a room with him because i'm going to leave and somehow i'm going to be you know investing in in timeshares or swamp land or yeah yeah i don't know what the hell he's going to have me do I, I, I who knows i just don't want to be in the room with him who knows uh, he would hold the title once more in 2002, defeating Muto for it. He would defend that title uh, once against Kojima before losing it for the final time against the great Muto. So <laughs> trading back and forth with, with Keiji Muto. Uh, Tenru would leave all Japan soon after this and to apply his trade in pro wrestling Noah and other places. But my God, his short but memorable run in, 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 in pro wrestling Noah is awesome. Go see it. He primarily does mainly tag matches but there's this great point i know you must you must know this one rich where kobashi's on one side tenders on the other and at some point like 
Kobashi's just like, I remember how you abused me as a young boy. Now I'm going to beat the shit out of you, old oh, man. Yeah. And at one point, Tenru just grabs a bottle of water or something and just whips it at Kobashi, and it hits him, and he is, and Kobashi is pissed. That's an awesome, just for that moment alone, that, that match is like five, five and a half stars for me. Absolutely, yeah. He is now in, like, when we're watching him in All Japan, he's grumpy, but he's still in his prime. By the time the Noah thing comes, he's just a grumpy old guy that's like, winding down his career or whatever and it's so good <laughs> you know what i mean it's so good because he's just so pissed and so angry and so grumpy and it's 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 fantastic yeah he does correct he, me if i'm wrong he has a sing- tender has a singles match with kenta doesn't he he is one of his few singles matches. um shoot i think you're right let me make sure i didn't uh, just dream that match because that sounds i don't know if i've seen that one in a long long time but uh, and in there with Kenta. Yes, yes. Autumn Navigation 2005, uh, uh, <laughs> October 8th, uh, 2005. I've not watched that one in a while, but I need to watch that uh, very, very soon. He has a match with Ogawa, too, which I imagine is really fun, too. So. Uh, because Ogawa is, is, is one of his students as well and one of the guys that was in Revolution as well. But, but you know, honestly, like you can, you can take the last four years of Kenta's career now throw them up the garbage don't ever watch those go go back and watch this match with tenru yes. it's fucking awesome to see two guys who are just surly bastards beat the shit out of one another one's older significantly older than the other but it's fun like yeah i will take that over any hideo atami match anything oh God, Kenta has yeah, done Jesus, in the last four yeah. years so yeah kenta's um, grumpiness even as like a 24 year old is just unmatched by anybody else like why are you so angry what yeah. are you so angry about dude but uh I, I, it I makes miss, some great wrestling man I'm, I'm i'm for it i miss grumpy kenta now it's more yeah. comedy kenta which yeah, yeah it has this has a thing yeah. but 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 anyways this brings us to the close of, of this match review. Great match. Thank you, Rich, for picking it. Uh, any final thoughts about this match or about Tenru or Kawada before we uh, close things out? Yeah, I, I would just say, like, if you're, if you're going to watch this match, and I know a lot of the other matches that you've done in this series are some of the greatest matches of all time, some of the best bell-to-bell matches you'll ever see, just, just incredible, incredible stuff. I don't know that this is one of those matches, but I think this is a really, really fun match and one that you definitely should watch and, and, and check out. It's not as easy to find as some of the other ones, but uh, for a little bit of work, you can find it. But um, it, it's 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 a different thing. And like I said, to me, it really closed the book on the King's Road era uh, of All Japan and, and and opens up a new book and a book that's not going to be very long because, like I said, it's going to close very quickly uh, with the pro less love era coming very, very soon. But uh, I think it's just a completely a very important match. And hopefully we gave some context to why it's as important as it is. Because if you just drop in and watch this match, it might not mean that much to you. And you might leave going, yeah, that was okay, but no, nah, I've seen better. And you will. You will, you have definitely seen better if you've watched a lot of the classic All Japan stuff. If you watched the classic, you know, stuff that you guys have covered here on the Long and Winding Royal Road. You've seen better matches. I'm positive you have. But this one has so much symbolism, so much meaning, so much background, so much things that went into it that to me it's a it's a tremendously special match and i just the, the history behind it and the history of everything like like i've said before before that bell even rings i mean there's just so much that gets into it and i think the match every second of the match plays into all that history uh a, a, as well so it's it's you know not a, you know in a vacuum is it as good as, as some of the classic classic matches that that you're going to watch throughout the series it's not but but it is as it, it's as important as any of those other matches and, and and in some cases more important than a lot of them because it, of what it just symbolized you know going in and what it symbolized coming out of as well 
All right. And uh, before we head out, uh, Rich, get, let's get to the plugs that we promised at the beginning of this episode. Let's do that. Yeah. So VoicesOfWrestling.com obviously is the website that I run. Uh, we have columns, previews, reviews about all the stuff going on in major pro wrestling all over the world. U.S. wrestling, Japanese wrestling, Mexican wrestling, all that stuff. Uh, we're covering it there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. We also have the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, which is a, a podcast network of a bunch, a bunch of different podcasts covering the entire world of wrestling. We have uh, a Joshi show. We have a Dragon Gate show we have a show that covers american wrestling we have you know shows that cover progressing trivia progressing history uh european wrestling the music of wrestling you know noah and all japan uh just a ton of other stuff is on there so yeah that is all available uh tna history as well if you're if, you, if you're into that that is all there at the voice wrestling podcast network you can get that uh and whatever podcast app you use as well uh we have a, a, a full-on network feed so if you just want to subscribe to the whole network you can do that uh, as well as a feed for every individual show uh, as well on that network i hope the i host the flagship podcast which we do that every single week uh talking just kind of the entire world uh, of wrestling and in, in in the way we've done for you know 11 plus years at this point uh, on the flagship and then if uh, you need some bonus audio with myself uh, you can do so uh, at flagship patreon.com that's where we do a lot of our bonus audio a lot of retro content uh, as well as new stuff we just finished up a, a very long series uh, of shows talking about the wrestling observer hall of fame going uh, region by region and, and 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 you know talking about all the different wrestlers in all those regions we have retro series as well uh including the uh, brett versus owen series that i just said we, we just uh, we just started there uh breaking down the bret hart versus owen hart feud but that is all available at flagship patreon.com we have a one dollar trial tier uh five dollars unlocks all the bonus audio and then ten dollars unlocks uh all of our live shows as well as all of our writing plus all the bonus audio you talked about as well, because uh, we do some columns up there uh, pretty often as well at uh, flagshippatreon.com. So that is all available there. $1, $5, $10 tiers. $10, folks. <clears throat> They're basically $10. giving this stuff away. Everything. Giving it away. And like I said, and like you said at the top, I'm doing rich drinks. I'm drinking Mountain Dew for your good, uh, and I'm probably going to get diabetes for it as well. So uh, I, I need that money more than, uh, not yet, but uh, soon. <laughs> I'm going to need that money for uh, uh, upcoming medical bills. But no, we, yeah, $10 unlocks everything we do, all of our live shows, all of our bonus audio, all of our written content it's it to me it's a no-brainer but uh, hey i know money's tight these days so we have the one dollar tier that that you'll get a few things per month and then the five dollar tier we'll get all of our bonus audio but uh yeah, yeah highly recommend the ten dollar the bref the breakfast zone is on our five dollar tier so if, if if that's enough for you that's fine but uh yeah definitely do what wh did and and, and get on that ten dollar tier get, get on that ten dollar tier i i mean there's a lot of great stuff over there you know someone who's been like listening for the last oh i don't know five six years now like it's 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 a nice it's nice to get a different perspective like of course like you know you want to get the the overview of wrestling from about WBAW from John Way but like go over to Voice of Wrestling the flagship and then you get a different perspective especially like rants i like great great ranting for the rants on, yeah on, for on, the rants on, we, on, we on are the flagship there we are passionate we are passionate as you said and sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad and for you know AEW fans have been bad as of late. I'll tell you that because we have been doing some ranting about what's going on there. Uh, but uh, you know, that's, that's what we, we always say. One thing on the flagship, like the, the idea is that at some point we are going to bury or make fun of something that you love and you'll either love us and go, ah, those guys are burying something I love. That's funny. Or you'll hate us and you'll never listen again, but that's fine. They come and go, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's perfectly fine. But yeah, it is, it is a very passionate uh, uh, website. Uh, and the flagship and flagship patreon.com is very passionate uh, audio about professional wrestling. We love wrestling. Uh, we're not really beholden to any one company or anything. So when you're bad, we're going to tell you we're bad. When, you, we're, when you're good, we're going to tell you you're good. Uh, but that, that's what we've done. It's what we've done for you know a decade plus at this point over there. 
Well, Rich, thank you so much for, for being on this show. I appreciate it. Thank you for picking a great match. Uh, we will have you back on the long and winding railroad in the future. Uh, hopefully, uh, before uh, before another 39 episodes happen, we'll, we'll have you on sooner than that. And then, yeah, I, I look forward to, to hearing all the great stuff you're doing over at Voices of Wrestling and uh, a future appearance here. I know I know you 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 contributed some stuff to to John's uh, Terry Funk yes, uh, yeah, retrospective yeah, yeah. as well. So go check out that. Rich had some contributions for for John. He's credited there. So uh, which, by the way, I gotta say it was one of the the, the top. In, in like I maybe read three. I think John's was probably the best one that I read, and I I, I, I was. You know, I would but, agree. No, 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 no. I, I, I would agree as well. Yeah, you, you are biased, and that's fine. Hey, yeah, <laughs> and you're supposed to be. That's that's your team. But no, no, definitely, I, I, I would agree that the John's writing on on Terry Funk and uh, and John's writing in general, I think, is is a whole different level of professionalism from what a lot of other people are doing uh, in the wrestling world. Now, Terry Funk retrospective, of course, yeah. If you're listening to this and you have not read that, uh, you can also listen to it too, right? Didn't John do a uh, audio? Uh, he did. Uh, yeah, uh, did, yeah, that's did, a really yeah. cool idea too. And and I'm yeah. something that we might uh, we might borrow. Now, I don't want to say steal. my borrow over at Flash of Patreon. I think it's a really, really good idea because I know a lot of people are, are, you know, in cars or walking around or working out and doing those sort of things. So don't have time to read. People don't read anymore. It's 2023. We've got time to read. We got to listen and watch. No, and no, no, no. Stuff, you so. don't understand. You don't understand, Rich. Like John, John listens to everything at 1.5 times the speed, and and he's he's a. I think he might be a speed reader because I am going to have as of this recording. I'm going to have coffee with John sometime in the coming week, and and I'm going to hand him off the Gene LaBelle biography the real like physical book so he's he's oh, gonna be talking it. about yeah. that at some point with way oh, i'm awesome. sure on one of their shows <laughs> no, that, that sounds great but that terry funk retrospective yeah it, it's far and away the best terry funk uh, uh we did audio on it uh, on the flagship but i think was which was to me one of the better audio shows i'm biased as well i was on it but uh in terms of the written word i i, I think uh, uh john's uh piece on terry funk was great and i was i was more than happy to contribute uh, just even a small piece to it all right, so thanks for every hey everyone out there. Thank you for supporting the log and winding railroad. Thanks for buying the T-shirt. <laughs> what is it? What does Eric Bischoff say? Controversy creates cash. Well, Absolutely. guess what? Yeah, I hope you sold so many more T-shirts once that controversy happened. Thank <laughs> oh, God, it was great. Yeah. It's the best thing that happened. Uh, I was in the but, background just laughing as that was going on. Like, oh my God, you you think you're stopping them? They're just going to sell so many more T-shirts. No. And uh, you know what? I, yeah. I, I I'll even say I even like the new design better than the old design too. So it's and I love the old design, but I think the new design is what, what I'll say about that shirt is it's one that you can wear in public, and it's just a cool shirt. And if people know, they know. And if they don't know, it's fine. You know, that, then that's one of the problems with a lot of wrestling shirts. Not necessarily wrestling podcasts or wrestling website shirts, but like wrestling shirts in general. It's just like these big letters and this dumb stuff all over it. It's like if you wear it, people are just like, what the hell is this man wearing? That is a very subtle shirt. So, yeah, sell those shirts. Buy that shirt, man. That, that, that is a, 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 one of the better uh, wrestling shirts I've ever seen. So, you guys, I hope sold a million of those. Hopefully a billion. Oh, I, I can tell you stories about in real life, in real time, like – the, the success of the controversy but yes we'll, we'll, good we'll for you i knew it as it was happening i'm like oh they're just gonna sell so many of these shirts good for them yeah uh but but thank you we had a great 2023 we're gonna have a great 2024 hopefully some returning guests uh i'm gonna reach out to some returning guests get some new guests on this show and and there's still a ton of stuff to mine in the era of the King's Road era of the 90s in all Japan. But uh, for, for everyone, thank you for a great 2023. I'll see you next year. And until such time, I will say goodbye.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.